Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. What's cracking, peeps? Darren McDuffie here, alias Fat Man, helping you become perfectly healthy and toned. Welcome back to another episode. And the episode is being brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. And I keep promising to write a new blog, and I have not begun to write a new blog. But I um, think I'll have something up here pretty soon. Uh, within the next couple of days, I had a topic that hit me. And for those of you who have may have been uh, looking at my videos, uh, you've noticed that there's been a change. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more on the blog post that I'm I'm doing. Uh, I just think that, you know, with the health and wellness stuff, that uh, it's pretty much everything's been pretty much done. And there needs to be a different aspect or a different outlook, a new perspective to take on uh, health and wellness, and that's what I've kind of done, and I'll be explaining that a little bit more when I uh, put the the blog out. So go to I'mTheFatMan.com. Give me Friday, maybe even next week until I can get that blog post up. But um, what's up? what else is going on? I'm just trying to get acclimated to this um, one-hour time skip or one-hour time jumping forward, jumping ahead, or whatever you want to call it. It's really kind of throwing me off. But um, I guess, you know, you get used to this after maybe a week or so. It kind of reminds me when I used to live in uh, Sacramento, California, and I was moved out there, and you have to get used to that three-hour being uh, three hours behind. And I was from the East Coast, and I had to remember how to three hours and getting used to that. It took me a while. It took me about a month to get just acclimated to those three hours. So, um I guess this will take me maybe another couple of days to get acclimated. I know everybody else, people love this time of year. I actually prefer being an hour behind and getting night at uh, a, a, a decent hour, maybe 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever. So, uh, But something you got to deal with is something that we're dealing with. Tonight we should have a really good show for you. We're going to be interviewing Morley Robbins. This is Morley's second time on the show, and I'm waiting for him to call in and we'll be talking a little bit more. We're going to go beyond magnesium tonight. So um, we'll talk a little bit about magnesium, but there are some things and some research that Morley's been doing where we're actually going to be talking a little bit more. I think we're going to be talking a a bit about iron. We'll be talking some about copper. And of course, we'll we'll get a little magnesium in there, maybe even some zinc. So we'll be talking a little bit about um, uh, minerals. If you have not, please go back to the show of Last week's show, I believe that was last Wednesday, I interviewed Dr. Laurie Steelsmith, Great Sex Naturally, and that was a really good show. A lot of people are listening to that show, and we were just talking about some of the problems that women have and also men have when it comes to just getting over that hump, so to speak, uh, when it when it comes to your your sex drive and why some women are fatigued and tired all the time. and really enlightening show so you get a chance to just go back and listen to that show and uh if you have not checked out my YouTube channel that YouTube channel is uh fat body b 
DC fat, just like fat man. And I do a lot of street videos on there where I am just getting some of my thoughts out as I go walking in the morning and giving you a lot of positive things, a lot of mental tweaks and things that you can do in order to uh, be able to, um, you know, change your life. A lot of people out here are not happy. You know, many of us are living our lives day to day, kind of like the, I've never, I don't know if you've ever seen the Dunkin' Donut commercial where the guy meets himself at the door. <laughs> and But that's how we're living our lives. A lot of people are living their lives like that, just unhappy. Um, they have dreams, but they don't know how to pursue those dreams or they're fearful. Some people fear have that fear of failure. Some people have that fear of success, but um, it, it's all about mindset. It's all about just moving forward and getting the right thoughts in your mind and being able to um, just get your head right and getting that right place and know that whatever you can dream, whatever you can imagine, you can achieve. And all you need to do is just look out your front door, look at some of these Internet marketers who are making uh, a ton of money and living life by their their own rules. Um, they pretty much set up their business around the lifestyle that they want to lead, and that's what you're doing. And there's nothing any different than they're not doing anything different than than you've done. It's all about again that mindset and getting things in in control. Uh, so I think that this is more in the switchboard. But before I get him on, I'm going to read his bio because I think the last time he came on, we weren't <laughs> reading bios. Uh, as a hospital executive for over 30 years, Morley Robbins became disenchanted with the revolving door mentality of these illness maintenance enterprises. He has dedicated the remainder of his career to saving one starfish at a time by coaching clients how to eat real food and thereby facilitating the process of natural healing. Morley is a health futurist, a certified wellness coach, a certified nutrition educator, and a functional diagnostic nutritionist. Morley Robbins, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight, man? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing fabulous, man. Good to uh, connect with you again. I had you on. I think you were pretty much in my like first five or six shows that I ever did, and that was back in 2013. I believe I started the show in April of 2013, so it's been quite some time, and I know that you've been busy. <laughs> so... um <laughs> Give we, us a little. We invented uh, each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. We um, we kind of discovered each other. I discovered you through uh, Sean's show a couple of years ago, and um, right. when I started right. my show, I was just like, "Well, let me get him on because I know you like to speak, and you're you're one of those people that I would say that it's both entertaining as well as informative, and there are not a lot of people out there that are that are like you. So I'm glad that you came back. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this, the chat that we're going to have this evening. Yeah, uh, I didn't have that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I but, didn't have a real, normally I prepare for the show and I have a ton of questions, but I wanted this to be what I would call like a freestyle where we just talk about yeah. different things. And I know that you're way beyond magnesium right now. So I kind of wanted to maybe talk about that, but pick your brain on some other things because doing some research online before the show, I noticed that you had your hand in a lot of different pots, so to speak. So tell us, just tell us what you've been doing since 2013, because you've been doing quite a, quite a bit of stuff, Morley. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it seems like a lot of water over the dam. Um, cause when we talked, I think I had just started the mag group 
the Magnesium Advocacy Group. Yep. And when I first started it, it was um, I thought I didn't know what Facebook was when I started it. So I thought if I could just get a couple hundred people to pay attention to what I had to say, I'll, that would be really cool. And blew past that pretty quickly. And then thought, well, maybe I'll I'll shoot for the number that was on Schindler's list. There were 1,200 people on his list. That'd be kind of a fun number to get to. And blew past that. Then I thought, well, maybe I gotta gotta stretch a little bit and start thinking bigger. So I set the goal to get to 50,000. And that mm-hmm. happened this week. So I decided, what the hell? We're going to go all the way. And my goal now is 12 million people. So, wow. So I figure, you know, I'll try to, I'll do my part to try to dig the universe. But um, what's occurred over the last several years is I've become much more active with my um, wellness coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, much more active with. Uh, my educational activities, and, and obviously my primary channel is, is Facebook. Uh, and the group that I started, <clears throat> we now spawned, I think there are probably a, seven or eight different groups that have kind of spun out from, from MAG, which is great. It begins to bring a, a little bit more sanity to the, the Facebook forum. Um, but I think people are really appreciating uh the level of information that's out there and, and really as you know my focus is getting down to the mineral foundation which is mm-hmm. somewhat different than most people and I'm also much more willing to challenge the status quo unlike a lot of practitioners who are defending some uh, code of, of education or some code of thinking I don't I don't have one I'm making it up as I go along mm-hmm. and what, what I really hold myself to is I like to tell the truth and it really helps me sleep at night so that's really all I'm trying to defend is what I think is the truth and uh, I've also uh, by the grace of, of the good Lord and the universe and all the sources out there um, I've had an opportunity now to get five books published and that came by way of a a very satisfied client in Australia who decided that more people needed to hear what I had to say. So she took it upon herself to basically take a whole series of things that I was saying on Facebook and she turned it into a book and she said, would this help you? And I was like, oh my God. And so she's basically done that five times now. Is that, is that uh, what's her, Janelle? I think I saw her Janelle? on Yes, she's an amazing workhorse that has uh, a house full of kids, and she helps her husband with his business. And it's just where she finds the time, I don't know, and I don't ask. But she's (laughs) a tireless champion and uh, an absolute angel on this planet. And it's been wonderful to work with her and have her transform these, as I call them, blah blah blahs, and and turn them into. I, I think calling them a book is a bit of a stretch, but we'll call them books just for fun. And it helps people understand what my logic is and where I'm coming from and you know, help people think through what, what's really in play in, in the world of convention and what's really in play in the world of reality. Because they're yeah. two very different worlds, as you know. Yeah. Let's, um, 
for those people who might not have listened to the previous show, and if you have not listened to the previous show and you're listening, I would uh, just encourage you to go back and listen to the, the first show I did with Morley about magnesium. But let's just do a, a bit of a refresher course on magnesium because there is still a lot of people out there who are not uh, <laughs> taking magnesium. And I, you know what? I just got on. Um, I was using Carolyn Dean's, her liquid magnesium, the ionic magnesium, and then I found another substitute on Amazon, which was uh, a little bit, Carolyn Dean, her stuff is great, <laughs> but, you know, you're paying 30, 30 something odd bucks for magnesium, and then I found a, a substitute on Amazon, which is a little bit cheaper, but I found for me uh, specifically that I'm not a pill person, I try to stay away from pills as much as I can. And sure. uh, I like I like the liquid stuff because it's, it's it's readily absorbable, and I know there's a lot of people who are taking bodybuilding supplements. They're taking magnesium in pill form. They're taking other pills, maybe taking prescription medications. Which I, I wanted to ask you about that as well with magnesium because I know that I think that depletes magnesium. But let's just get over just go over a little refresher course on on magnesium and why it's so important, Morley. Absolutely. So. Uh, the way I look at it is there are three things you need every day, air, water, and magnesium. Uh-huh. And we, you can't imagine going a day without air. You know, we can go, what we can go, like maybe three or four minutes most without breathing. And we can probably go three or four days without water. And you can you can go for quite a while without magnesium, but what's going to pop up with a whole bunch of symptoms. And people aren't aware of, of the uh, reach of that mineral in the body, in part because there's a lot of confusion about it, or there's a lot of, I'll, I'll be polite, caught disinformation. But when people do get magnesium into their sites, they'll typically read that it's a, a really important mineral for around 300 enzymes. And... What people need to know is where that number 300 came from. It was from a professor of physiology at Harvard. It was Dr. Valley, and he had an interest in magnesium. And someone once asked him, so Dr. Valley, how many enzymes does magnesium influence? And he said, I don't know, maybe around 300. And that became not just Internet legend, it has become scientific legend. Well, a couple of years ago, they decided to study this mineral a little more closely, and they discovered what's called the magnosome, like chromosome, but it's magnosome. And it turns out that there are 3,751 proteins, i.e. enzymes, that will not work unless magnesium is present. So that's, I think, a pretty significant number. The next highest number would be copper, weighing in around 300, and the order of magnitude of magnesium is obviously orders higher than any other mineral, and it's but the, the flip side of it, though, is that magnesium is very easily lost to stress. So I've coined the phrase magnesium burn rate, so when people are thinking about, you know, that project that they've got to do or that they're moving their home or, you know, someone in their their family has passed away recently or whatever. All of those are opportunities 
to burn up magnesium, and I call it the magnesium burn rate. And that's what stress is. Stress burns up magnesium. And in these days of just intense stress that we're all under, we need an ongoing supply of magnesium because we're constantly shedding it throughout the day, particularly when we go to the bathroom. That's coming out through our urine. So it's really important to be mindful of that. And the tragedy of the human body is that when you lose magnesium, it leads to you losing even more magnesium because it's like there's a ratchet effect. And so as we begin to lose magnesium, our field of vision begins to get narrower. And it's like we're wearing night vision binoculars. And everything feels brighter and bigger than it really is. And that leads to more magnesium loss, which then affects all those enzymes that, that I was alluding to earlier. And it's the easiest way to begin to diffuse the stress is to add magnesium. And what people, people typically do is they think about why well, there are different ways to uh, deal with stress release. And, you know, there are people who do yoga or they meditate or they read or they'll exercise. And there are many different ways to bring stress release, but there's only one way to change and improve the stress response, and that's biological. You've got to bring more magnesium back into the organism. And it's it's well-chronicled in the research. It's a well-established fact. And um, uh, there are Emily Deans is a practicing uh, psychiatrist up in Boston, she calls magnesium the chill pill. And she's mm-hmm. absolutely right. It's a wonderful um, supplement and mineral to help people calm down. And she has a, a wonderful article, by the way, and people should look it up. It's called The Chill Pill. And it's just a great overview of why magnesium is so important, especially when we're feeling really stressed out. Yeah. Um when I think about stress, I always think about adrenals. And uh, maybe a week or two ago, I had Dr. Maggie Luther on, and we were talking about adrenal fatigue. And one of the things that she mentioned was magnesium as one of those things that you really need to have to have uh, good adrenal function. How important is that magnesium for keeping that magnesium burn rate down when it comes to your adrenals since they're handling or they're putting out the cortisol when it comes to it comes to the stress yeah no a great question um the the endocrine glands contrary to what what most practitioners would tell you but the endocrine glands are ruled by minerals but they make hormones and so one of the master um, points of access in the body is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And that's the primary mechanism by which we respond to stress. The adrenals, there's a hot wire between the, the hypothalamus and the adrenals. And so when we're under pressure, it's the adrenals that take it on the chin. And the minerals that, that rule the adrenal glands are sodium and magnesium. And it's actually the rate, the, the ratio of sodium to magnesium. And what you want in a healthy adrenal gland is four parts sodium and one part magnesium. 
And that four-to-one ratio is what allows us to be able to respond to the crisis and then kind of move back to our parasympathetic state. Because when we're when we have a crisis, we go into what's called a sympathetic state, and that's when you know all sorts of changes begin to take place in the body. But that worked great when we had real mountain lions chasing us, because that was a real threat. We knew how to how to deal with that. And then when the mountain lion was either gone or dead or whatever, we could begin to calm down. Well, we live in a society where there are all sorts of paper mountain lions and all sorts of stressors, and we don't have the ability to calm down. And the adrenals never get that chance to to get recovery. And that's really what um, one of magnesium's great gifts is, that concept of recovery. So everyone thinks about a muscle contraction. Well, after it contracts, you've got to relax, and you've got to get recovery. It's magnesium that enables that to happen. Uh, so that it's actually, when you get down to a cellular level, it's actually magnesium that allows calcium to activate the muscle cell, and then magnesium comes back in to allow recovery. And that's the role that it's playing with the adrenals, is to allow recovery and helping to facilitate the, uh, the processes that the adrenals are in charge of as they sit on top of the, uh, the kidneys. So magnesium is very important. What people have to be careful of is very often people will get really stressed out, they get too stressed out, and they'll face what's called burnout. And then they'll read an article or hear, hear an interview like this, we'll start talking about magnesium being important for adrenal uh, fatigue, and they'll run out and they'll start flooding their body with magnesium and ignore the sodium side of it. And what's important is make sure that you're supporting the adrenals need for the minerals, nutrients, especially the sodium and the potassium. And what I typically recommend for people is that if you're gonna if you're facing burnout, if you want to start to look with magnesium, at the very least, uh, do what's called the adrenal cocktail and get a half a cup of fresh squeezed orange juice, get a quarter of a teaspoon of sea salt and a quarter of a teaspoon of cream of tartar, mix it together, and drink that mid-morning and or mid-afternoon so that you're nourishing the adrenals with the whole food vitamin C that they need with the fresh squeezed orange juice. Don't do it with Tropicana because it's no good. The fresh squeezed mm-hmm. orange juice to get the vitamin C, and then the minerals are going to be found in the sea salt and the cream of tartar. And that's a great way to balance uh, to balance the adrenals but provide the support that they need in order to restore uh, the magnesium that is, that is so essential for that gland to work effectively. Yeah. One, one of the things that comes to mind when you, you, you start talking about sodium and potassium balance is blood pressure. There are a lot of people who have are having problems with blood pressure, mainly hypertension. Um, how important is that magnesium to them? And then I wanted you, I was doing some research for the show, and I wrote this quote down on, I came across another YouTube video, and you said 98% of high blood pressure is considered idiopathic. So ex- expand on that quote and then talk a little bit about how important magnesium might be in that, the blood pressure. Yeah, 
really key. So the source of the um, the 98% <clears throat> comes by way of uh, a very gifted clinician. His name is Russ Jaffe. Uh, he runs um, a supplement company, uh, and I'm, my, my brain just went berserk. I can't think of it, but I will before we're done. But um, Russ is just a very gifted uh, practitioner and did his training at NIH, and we've become uh, good friends and colleagues, and he's uh, <clears throat> been very influential in terms of my understanding some of the subtleties of um, these minerals. And um, the, the balance of <clears throat> sodium and potassium is really key. What uh, people need to understand is that the magnesium is um, what I the way I refer to it is it's the conductor of the cellular orchestra of minerals. So it's, you know, if you've ever been to an orchestra or if you've seen it in a movie or seen it on TV, you know that before the conductor come on, comes on stage, there's all sorts of chaos. It's a cacophony. And when the conductor comes out, they get up on the podium, they tap the music stand a couple times, and then there's silence. And then the conductor raises the baton and beautiful music comes out. And that's the role that magnesium plays inside the cell. And the question that has eluded me, and I think a lot of people, is so we know that, that magnesium is leaving because of stress, but are there any particular reasons why there might be stress? from a physiological standpoint as opposed to just an emotional standpoint. And and what has emerged is my understanding of this whole dynamic, particularly as it relates to the blood pressure, because I'm going to come back to that, is that magnesium has a very dynamic relationship with iron in our body. Mm-hmm. And iron and magnesium are biological antagonists. And iron is very effective at forcing magnesium out of the cell and forcing magnesium out of enzyme function. And what I'm discovering is that the, the real bad guy inside our body is iron that's not being properly regulated because of a lack of a key protein that's made in the liver, and that protein is called ceruloplasmin. Mm-hmm. It's very likely that your listeners have never heard of it. It's very likely that very few practitioners know what that protein is, and the few that may know about it think of it as a molehill. But what I'm going to emphasize tonight uh, is that I think that protein is in fact down Everest in our body, and in part because of its ability to regulate iron in the kidneys in, in just one area. It's, it's helping to regulate iron all over the body, but the dynamic of uh, blood pressure is it's very widespread, as you well know, and the reason why it's idiopathic is that no one's been able to think outside the box. And why does magnesium keep getting knocked out of the system, which allows for 
the dysregulation between um, sodium and potassium. Why is um, renin and aldosterone getting out of control? But what's throwing these key hormones into a state of dysregulation? And what I'm coming to, to understand in the research is it's iron-induced oxidative stress. And it, and it affects different parts of the anatomy based upon where people carry their stress. And, uh, there are many people, uh, excuse me, there are many people who carry stress in their kidneys. Mm. And, and it's like, I don't know why, but they do. There are a lot of people who carry stress in their heart, or their joint, or their brain, or their stomach. And, and when people have symptoms of a chronic nature, it's because that's where they carry their stress. And they're not able to metabolize the metabolic changes that are occurring in that tissue because of a shortage of minerals, being able to re-regulate or, or overcome the imbalances that are, are taking place. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know, you know, just from what I've gone over, just the aldosterone and all that, the, you know, the other hormones, but aldosterone was always the one that, to me, was the one more closely associated with blood pressure. And I was like, well, what makes that, What? why does that get out of whack? And you just kind of gave me an explanation of why that might get out of whack. Going back to iron, you have men seem to carry iron efficiently. Women seem to have iron deficiency. So, I mean, why is that? What makes the female body so different from a male body? Because what I've discovered is um, my girlfriend and I, we give blood regularly, um, and she's just kind of tipping the line when it comes to having enough iron in her blood to be able to give blood, you know, to be able to donate. But I'm wondering okay. if that's because is that a magnesium deficiency? Does it have enough magnesium or what's what's going on there? Yeah, great great question. Um, one of the great myths on this planet is that people are being trained to think that they are copper toxic and iron anemic. Mm-hmm. And that's a very popular concept uh, that exists on the internet and it exists in the minds of most practitioners who deal with, with these types of issues. And I think it's important to dispel or, or create some, some basis of truth, but there's 60 times more iron in the body than there is copper. There's an enormous amount of iron in our body. And there's a difference in the amount of iron in a woman's body than in a man's body. There's about uh, 3,500 milligrams of iron in a woman's body. There's about 4,000 milligrams in a guy's body. And this idea that we're copper toxic and iron deficient is, is not true. And in fact, I think it's just the opposite. In fact, most people are... They have very low levels of bioavailable copper, and they have too much unusable iron. Now, let me explain why there's a difference between how women versus men carry it. So, 
the other thing that's important to understand about iron is that there there is no active mechanism to get rid of excess iron in the human body other than blood loss. It's the only way that that we're designed to get rid of excess iron. So going back in time, guys were involved in battles and women had their menstrual flow. And then the battle stopped. And it, in fact, men have big problems with iron and so do women. But they're the different dynamics that are taking place and the woman is having a regular menstrual cycle and that's actually a gift because it enables them to have a constant process of releasing the excess iron. Mm -hmm. Again, this idea that we don't have enough is not true. From the time that we're about 12 years old to the time that we die, we're adding iron every day because of our diet. And that's a fact. We, we live in a very iron-centric society. So that what most people don't know is that in 1941, the UK and its crown colonies called Canada, the United States, Australia, and Singapore all started adding iron to flour in 1941. Well, they didn't add, they didn't add, uh, organic iron. They added iron filings, which is the most toxic kind of iron you can add. And then in 1972, they tried to increase it by a factor of two. And 37 scientists from around the world came to Washington DC to testify and said, are you trying to kill people? And so the FDA only increased it by 50%. Then in the 1980s, they added high fructose corn syrup and GMO. And what people don't know about those food additives is that what, in part what they're designed to do is to lower copper in the liver and increase iron in the liver, which is the exact opposite of what the human body needs. And know about between copper and iron is that it turns out that I'm sure many of your, your listeners have seen a ventriloquist act. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen a ventriloquist act. So the question is, can the ventriloquist move his own lips? No. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, the comedian, the comedian's got to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it turns out that in the human body, iron is the dummy, and copper is the comedian. And what's very carefully and artfully hidden in the research is that whenever there is an iron-based enzyme, there's either copper, whole food vitamin C, or that protein ceruloplasm, which has eight copper atoms inside it. One of those three is hiding behind the curtain. Because iron can't do anything in the body unless copper tells it what to do. Mm-hmm. And and what's important to understand is that you cannot absorb copper, excuse me, you cannot absorb iron unless a key protein is stimulated by copper in your digestive tract. 
you cannot make heme, the heme protein cannot be made unless you have bioavailable copper. You cannot make the hemoglobin molecule unless you have bioavailable copper. You cannot insert iron into the center of hemoglobin unless the key enzyme called ferroquilatase is stimulated and activated by bioavailable copper. And the whole concept of hypoxia, which is a shortness of breath, which is what mm-hmm. triggers the, the production of of more red blood cells, well, that keys off of um, a key enzyme with the initials EPO, which is about 18 letters long, but EPO is in fact made possible by bioavailable copper via the adrenal glands that send the signal to the bone marrow to start making more red blood cells down there. So, all of these critical aspects of red blood cell uh, initiation and management are all dependent on bioavailable copper. And what happens is people will go to their doctor to get their blood test, and, and the doctor will read a, a blood marker called ferritin, which is a storage marker for iron, which is a, it is not a part of the active uh, metabolism of iron. It's where iron gets stored, and they'll see that it's low for a wide variety of reasons, and they'll tell the individual, you need to take more iron. Oh. Never, never thinking about the fact that, well, it would be really advisable to see what more magnesium would do. It would be really advisable to see what more whole food vitamin C would do, which has copper at its core. And when I say whole food vitamin C, I'm drawing a major distinction between that and ascorbic acid, which is toxic to the body, particularly to the production of selenoplasm. And the third uh, ingredient that would be worth looking at is B vitamins, especially B2. And what's important about those three, magnesium, whole food vitamin C, and B2, is all of those are water-based. And they can mm-hmm. easily leave the body if you don't need them. When you start to give people iron supplements, it's permanent. And what the body can't use, it stores. It puts into storage, and that's what becomes the source of oxidative stress in your liver, in your kidney, in your adrenal gland, in your thyroid, in your brain, in your joints, you name where you're having a symptom, and I can guarantee you that the enzyme that's involved by, with that tissue is being beat up by the rust that, that the uh, unbound iron is creating. So that yeah, part that... of the dynamic between men and women, though, is that women have this fluctuation in their body mm-hmm. because of the, the cycle that they go through. And so their need for magnesium, bioavailable copper, and the B vitamin is different than that for the, for the guy. Yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. No, I was going to say, um, so really they're they're telling women that they don't have enough 
iron, specifically when, you know, you go to donate blood. But the truth is they have enough. They're just telling them that they're, they're supposed to have too much is what I'm getting from the conversation is that. That's exactly it's, right. What, it's, what the, it's, it's all the smoke and mirror. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. But the, the, the distinction is there's a difference between, a major difference between iron deficiency, which is what's implied in iron anemia. There's a difference between that and iron dysregulation. It turns out that iron metabolism and red blood cell metabolism are highly sophisticated programs of recycling. And the the reason why the body doesn't lose a lot of iron is it's being constantly recycled in red blood cells. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's supposed to be. So you've probably, if you've been in a square dance or you've seen it in the show, TV show or movie, well, square dance is very similar to what is going on with uh, the management of iron. It's a constant flow. As long as the music's playing and as long as the barker is calling out the steps, everything's cool. But when the music stops, everybody goes over to their table and they store themselves. And that's what happens in the human body when there's not enough celluloplasmin, which mm-hmm. is what keeps keeps iron in motion. It's what mobilizes iron. And that's what's important. And what's happened is for 150 years, doctors would measure iron status with hemoglobin and hematocrit. And that's the engine of iron metabolism. Because that's where it's at. Iron needs to be in that hemoglobin in order to deliver oxygen to the cell so that at a key step of the mitochondria, ATP can be made. That's a very important mechanism in the body. And what happened was in 1972, a British team introduced the concept of ferritin, and ferritin is a storage molecule that is found in the liver, found in the spleen, and found in the bone marrow. And each ferritin molecule holds 4,500 atoms of iron. And that's a good thing. If they're in those three storage areas of the liver, the uh, spleen, and the, and the bone marrow. But what they're now doing is there was only supposed to be a very small amount of ferritin in the bloodstream. And that's what these British researchers made it very clear. They're just supposed to be a small amount. And what's happened is modern medicine has put a spotlight on ferritin. It's a storage protein. And they're measuring people's iron status based on that marker. And it's, in my opinion, it's very misleading. And so it's like having a car that has engine trouble, you take it to the mechanic, and what do you expect the mechanic to do? You're going to open up the hood, right? Mm-hmm. What would you do if a mechanic ran around to your trunk and started measuring the inside of the trunk? Wouldn't that make you a little nervous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what's happening is these medical mechanics are measuring the inside of the storage protein, and it's irrelevant to the engine of iron metabolism, which is all about hemoglobin, hematocrit, and this protein that I've been introducing to this conversation, ceruloplasmin, which is made in the liver, and it is a very 
uh, important and very dynamic uh, part of our metabolism that is being completely blown over by conventional practitioners. Let's talk about, I wanted to talk about copper because I found out copper, found out about copper through a different light. I was doing some research on why we get gray hair. I've had, and I'll share this with the audience, I've had gray hair since I was 16, 17 years old. And now that I'm 45, it's, you know, my hair is getting covered. And I just started to research, like, what causes gray hair. And I was reading a book one day, and in the book, the gentleman mentioned uh, copper deficiency as one of the symptoms for gray hair. He said it, it comes from uh, if you have the copper deficiency, you're going to get the white or the gray hair. So naturally, I was just trying to figure out, well, what is copper? I had never heard of copper deficiency. So you have the copper deficiency where it might be causing the gray hair. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, I have another friend who's an FDN. Um, her name is Diane Kayser. She's an FDN like you. And she did a video maybe about a year or two ago on she had a copper IUD. And is, okay. there, a fi is there a fine line or balance where you have that, you could have that copper deficiency, but you could also have that copper toxicity where women are having all these symptoms from, and I believe birth control pill kind of stimulates the copper too as well, but I know that she yep. had a, copper IUD and she was just saying how many symptoms like she would get these irrational mood swings and right. I feel like it's <clears throat> the body just prefers balance it doesn't want too much it doesn't want too little it just wants to be balanced is that the same thing with copper yeah and, the, and what I would the only the, the point I would really emphasize is when we're talking about particularly these metals, particularly copper and iron, is they need to be bioavailable. And mm -hmm. what's happened is they, we're all trying to cut, make shortcuts and get to this, you know, this binary state, is it on, is it off, is it enough, is it too little? But the, this whole night, this whole concept of bioavailable is very subtle, but, but profoundly important. Because what happens is, in a situation where someone does have a copper IUD, or they did take birth control pills, yes, there is a buildup of copper, but what has also happened is there has not been a corresponding increase in the production of ceruloplasmin, which is mm -hmm. essential for working with that, that metal. Copper, copper is designed to be inside ceruloplasmin. It's a very unique structure inside the body that 95% of the copper in our bloodstream must be inside that protein. That's a big deal. Most people aren't even close to that. And what happens with a, with a birth control pill is what the, what the doctor forgot to tell the patient is that the pill does two things. It causes magnesium deficiency, and that is mm -hmm. an absolute correct term, but there are blanks in a um, uh, birth control pill. There's five to seven days are blanks. Well, I just found out a few weeks ago that those blanks have iron in them. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. so, so, the, so women are being introduced to the very metal 
that is causing the magnesium to leave the body. And so when women are being exposed to these uh, sources of copper, but there's no emphasis being placed on ceruloplasm, then the copper appears toxic when in fact it's, it's very low levels of bioavailable copper and very high levels of unusable copper. And when that happens, ceruloplasm cannot be made in the liver, and then you've got a, pardon my French, you've got a real problem with iron, because then iron goes rogue at that point. And when iron goes rogue, it gets in, doesn't circulate the way it's supposed to, it gets put into storage, and when it goes into storage, it will cause rust in that tissue. And that rust has a formal name called oxidative stress. Yes. Hey, how this just came to mind, and I wanted to get this out before we end the show. But um, you have a big rush of autoimmune diseases, and particularly you have a lot of women suffering from an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is you know your thyroid. One of the things that you you see is you're seeing a lot of women. Uh, I, I interviewed, uh, who was it, Janie Botharp a couple of episodes ago, maybe a month or two months ago, and she was talking about increasing iron. And the thought of increasing the iron made me think just now that maybe it's the copper. It's not the iron. It's the fact that these women don't have enough copper, and the iron is actually displacing the copper. But I, it goes so deep. I, I just had a yeah. thought, and my, my, my mind works yeah, like that. No, you're 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 on the you are on the the, uh, the right path there, and, and I, I commend you for for thinking that because that's exactly what it is. Women do not need more iron; they need more bioavailable iron. And this idea of getting women, and, and if Janie hears this, she's going to freak out. But that's too bad. This idea of pushing women to get their ferritin levels up to eighty or a hundred is insane. There's no other word for it. Because when you have a molecule that has 4,500 atoms of iron in it and a body that doesn't have enough ceruloplasm, it's a recipe for a disaster. And back to your point about the graying hair and this Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease, they all have the same issue in common. It's called oxidative stress. Mm -hmm. It's uncontrolled oxidative stress. And the, the principle oxidant, everyone's familiar with antioxidants. Antioxidants are uh, vitamin A, whole food vitamin C, and whole food vitamin E. Those are really incredibly powerful uh, antioxidants. And when I say vitamin A, I'm talking about retinol, not the wimpy beta carotene, because it takes 12 beta carotene plus energy and zinc to make retinol. But those antioxidant vitamins are superseded by antioxidant enzymes. And there are four granddaddy antioxidant enzymes. Ceruloplasm, top of the list. No one ever talks about it, but it's mm -hmm. the primary antioxidant in our blood, or it's supposed to be. Then you have what's called superoxide dismutase. And what that does is superoxide is an oxygen molecule it's missing electron, and it's pissed off. And dismutase is a stupid way of saying neutralize. 
So what SOD does is it takes superoxides that get created either naturally as part of our metabolism or by pathogens, particularly bacteria, how, and it neutralizes it in terms of does, the hydrogen peroxide. Marley, when you, you talk about that, I, I get this vision of glutathione. How does does copper interact I'm, with glutathione? I'm going to get there. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> so we've got, we've got SOD neutralizing the superoxide. And that turns these oxidants into hydrogen peroxide. And there's two enzymes that neutralize hydrogen peroxide. There's catalase and there's glutathione. But actually it's not glutathione that's doing the work. It's called glutathione peroxidase. And it turns out that all three of these, or actually all four of these enzymes, but particularly SOD, CAT, which is the abbreviation for catalase, and GFH for glutathione, mm-hmm. all three of those key enzymes are dependent on bioavailable copper. And when there's too much iron in the system, you're not able to make enough of those enzymes. And that's where the tug of war is in the body is bioavailable copper, when it's residing in ceruloplasm, is second to none. And when you get into the literature, you'll find out that some people will talk about ceruloplasm and they'll refer to it as the transport mechanism. They'll sort of allude to it like it's a taxi. It's transporting the copper around the body. Well, it's actually not a taxi. It's a tank. And you probably know the difference between a taxi and a tank. Mm -hmm. And in a tank, it takes four guys to run that machine. But in the ceruloplasm tank, it takes eight coppers to run it. And when there are eight coppers, it runs flawlessly, and it creates a lot of good for the body. And when it's not able to be made properly, a lot of things, a lot of gears begin to get rusty. A lot of enzymes begin to get rusty, and the body doesn't work right. And what will disrupt the production of um, ceruloplasm is stress, and one of the key components in making ceruloplasm is it's got 1,056 amino acids and eight coppers, and it's got to be folded in a very special way so that it works right. And what holds those folds in place is magnesium. Mm. And so when we're under stress, guess what happens? Magnesium, the, the pH of the body changes, magnesium hits the road, and suddenly that that protein, ceruloplasm, which has an enzyme function to it called ferrooxidase, isn't able to manage the iron the way it's supposed to, and that's the epicenter for symptoms, and it's, it's the origin of all chronic disease that people are struggling with, everything from autoimmune to cancer to heart disease to neurodegenerative disease, all of this is brought to us by iron-induced oxidative stress, and it's, it's a, there's a major warfare in the body between iron and magnesium, and that's how my thinking has evolved over the last three years. Yeah, what you you work with people on a daily basis. How how much is this involved? You just mentioned that it's the base of all chronic disease, and you're working with people when you get this copper dysregulation 
you confront this and you get it balanced. What, what have you seen? Uh, amazing changes. There's a there's an entire Facebook group called Morley Robbins Testimonials, and again, uh, I think it was Janelle Young who did this. She wanted to have a, a site where people could go and see what's this what's this guy talking about. Just, some people call me the bozo from the Bayou, and that's fine. I don't I don't I don't care what people call me. <laughs> just just follow my suggestion. Yeah. And it's not and it's not my protocol. It's I'm basing this on Mother Nature. This is how we're meant to work as a as a species. And all of this artificial, synthetic, insane stuff that we're exposed to, whether it's medications or supplements that come by way of big pharma, and most supplements do come by way of big pharma, that that stuff doesn't work. And there are profound changes that people experience, particularly now that people are beginning to wake up to the reality that, in fact, they are iron toxic. And no one ever told them that. And it's right there in the blood work when you do the right blood panel to really begin to tease out what's really going on in this body. And the the whole dynamic of misunderstanding about the engine of iron metabolism versus the, the trunk of iron metabolism, it's that's the that's the dividing line between sanity and insanity. And when you begin to really understand the interplay between magnesium and bioavailable copper and iron and this protein cellulopasm, it, it begins to create a completely different basis of healing that people have control over and they can begin to see their symptoms melt away. Yeah, it would, it would, I'm thinking while you're talking, it just makes a whole lot of sense because you're seeing, and I've, I've had two family members who, maybe three or four family members who've had dementia. I have an uncle who's going through that right now. My grandmother had it. Uh, my great aunt had it. And it just makes total sense of the amount of stuff that we're seeing. And science just doesn't seem to have an answer for it. Because I would think that, look at all the autoimmune diseases you have. I mentioned Hashimoto's. You have what? Multiple sclerosis. You have what else out there? Sarcoidosis. You have all of these different things out there that are autoimmune, and the common denominator seems to be this whole copper dysregulation and the fact that we're not getting enough, we don't get enough copper, or we're copper toxic, so to speak. Right. We don't have enough bioavailable copper to mm -hmm. run the antioxidant enzymes, and that leads to a buildup of unusable iron, and I can assure you that the the origin of all neurodegeneration, whether we're talking Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, Lou Gehrig's disease, even the autistic spectrum disorder, all of that is brought to us by iron-induced oxidative stress playing out in different facets of the neural tissue, but it's, it's, it's right there. And, and the leading researchers know for a fact that that's the origin. And this idea that we don't really understand it is not true. Because they actually do understand it, and I can, people can contact me. I, I've got dozens and dozens of articles that can back up everything I said tonight, and and that's fine. I don't mind people challenging me, but I think mm -hmm. it's time for people to wake up to the reality of what's really going on inside their body. Person on this planet who doesn't who doesn't need more magnesium, and I'd go so far as to say, most people on this planet have too much iron that's not usable in their body 
because their copper isn't working right. And it's there's a whole list of, of things that need to be done. But the point is, people need to realize that these so these so-called uh, conditions that they've got, mm-hmm. it's that's just that's what I call science fiction. And my position is there is no such thing as medical disease. There is only metabolic dysfunction that is caused by mineral dysregulation that is triggered by a moronic diet that we live in in this country. And 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 it is ignored by what I term uh, the physicians, I affectionately refer to them as mineral denialists because they don't understand the uh, mineral level of how the body works. They're practicing what I call Newtonian medicine and what mm-hmm. I'm focusing on is quantum healing and getting down to the level of the minerals and the atoms and the, the mechanism to activate uh, the enzymes and that's that's a concept that's very foreign to them. Yeah. Two two last questions for you, Morley. One would be, give your opinion on this statement, because uh, when I started in nutrition, I came across uh, Linus Pauling, and I'm going to paraphrase. I can't remember the exact quote, and I don't even know if the quote is real. You don't know what's on the Internet, but the quote, the quote I came across was Linus Pauling said, every illness can be traced back to a mineral deficiency and then the second part would be how do we test for this stuff because a lot of people will listen to this show and then they'll go and get what they'll go and try to find some supplement for copper and really don't know if they need it or if they do need it what should they actually be looking for so right um Linus Pauling did not say that and that's been verified at the Line of Pauling Institute. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not true. I, I think it may have been someone like Norm Sheely, and somehow there was a transposition of who actually said it. The point is, I think the statement is accurate. I, I know for a fact it was not Linus Pauling who said it. Um, as it relates to testing, what, what I've done is I got into this work focusing on minerals and focusing on the hair test as a very powerful tool to help people um, understand what the mineral dynamics and ratios were in their body. Mm-hmm. And what I've now done is I've added to that is a very specific, I've got a series of blood panels that I've got, but one in particular that's um, one that looks at the magnesium red blood cell, it looks at zinc and copper and ceruloplasm, and it looks at four iron markers to get a much more comprehensive view of what's actually happening inside the body as it relates to iron so that I can have a much more balanced understanding of, of this dynamic. Anyone that you know, any listener on this program or anyone that happens to listen to this program subsequently that relies on a ferritin-only blood test as an indication of iron simply doesn't get it. And there's no one on this that should rely on a storage D only test for vitamin D. No one would ever use a THS only assessment for thyroid function. And what I'm adding to that list is ferritin only blood tests 
are irresponsible. They're not indicative of what's going on in the body. So people are welcome to go to my website if they want to order the blood test. That's uh, gotmag.org, and there's a link up there for um, work with us, and then we will then direct them to what steps they need to take. You know, they can order the, the kit and what have you, but uh, they can then be given information about where to get the blood test if they're interested. But I have a, a regular and ongoing uh, client base, as you probably know. I've got mm-hmm. clients all over the all over the globe, uh, much to my uh, delight, but also to my surprise. But um, it's it, these are concepts that can be tested. These are concepts that can be managed, and these are concepts that can be improved with proper diet, proper uh, minerals and vitamin supplementation and just enough patience and time to, to allow the body to work. Yeah, what was your, your website again? And uh, I know you have the Magnesium Advocacy Group on Facebook. Um, I'm a member of that one. And then you mentioned that that uh, the Morley's Testimonials, that's on Facebook as well? Yep, Mor- Morley Robbins Testimonials is on uh-huh. Facebook. And then my website is uh, gotmag.org. G O T M A G dot O R G, and uh, and people can uh, they can order those links there to order my books if they want to do that, or they can order the uh, uh, the coaching and that tab is the work with us tab. Yeah, Marley, this has been an insightful conversation. This is what I would call a nutrition nerd conversation. <laughs> it might be over um, a bit of people's heads and they may have to go back and listen to this podcast you know a lot of times just to get what you were saying but it makes a lot of sense to me from listening to you that there's something missing because the body works holistically and if there's certain things or more of this and not enough of that it just makes a ton of sense and from what i've seen it's probably at the root of a lot of a lot of ailments well, I appreciate the chance to, to bang my gums and beat my chest. Uh, it's very kind of you to, to give me this opportunity, but I think if, if people will take the time to listen to what we've been talking about and think on my, um, my um, website, there wow. are 22 uh, articles about iron and iron dysregulation and how this is creating the, the magnesium problems that people are having and how this is behind the chronic disease. There's 22 different um, blogs on that Facebook page. If they'll take the time to read that, it will help them rethink what their condition is really and what they can do to begin to address it. And the difficulty is most practitioners, including most Alternative practitioners do not understand that the that this copper iron dynamic is taking place, and if they do, they have it backwards. And the important thing is to understand that we need more bioavailable copper, and we need that so that iron can be made usable in the body. People do not have a shortage of iron. It's not. The problem is it's not usable for lack of that protein that makes it so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm I'm actually going to email you. I had some questions for you uh, outside of the show. 
But uh, thank you for, for being on, Marley. I learned a lot. It's always good to listen to you because you are one of, you're, you're kind of like me. You're going to dig and dig and dig and look for the yeah, answer. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's how yeah. I am, too. If there's something I want to know, I'll keep digging and digging until I find the answer. And it was just interesting that I had just looked at this book, you know, maybe about two weeks ago, and they were talking about copper deficiency and gray hair. And I'm like, wow, Morley knows a lot about this stuff. So, man, thank you for being on. We'll have to have you back on in, in, or in the future and just do another podcast on this because I think this is something, again, that people need to know, needs to be probed deeper into more than just 30 minutes or so. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. And when you do reach out to me, make sure you tell me what the, that book title is so I make sure that I know about it because that will yeah. be a piece of the puzzle for this process. Yeah, I um I didn't want to mention it on the air and actually I'm going to have him on the show, but I will tell you what I'll tell you what the book is when I um when I email you. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay, thanks Morley. Have a good night, man. I really appreciate it. You bet, Jared. Thanks so much for the time. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. All right, great show. Like I said, that's probably a high level show, but I, I think if you listen to the show couple of times it takes two to three times to listen to the show and i'll tell you when i first started in this i used to listen to things two three four times before i actually got them i don't consider myself a genius level person but i don't consider myself a dummy either and sometimes you're going to have to listen to stuff two or three times and you have the luxury of the internet where you can go and look up a lot of things and that's what i do i'll go to the internet um i will go there's something deeper I want to know. I have a lot of books here, and I'll just dive into those books and, and, and really do the research. But um, next, I think Monday, uh, we're going to have uh, Esther Bloom on, and it's Cave Woman. Cave Women Don't Get Fat. Um, should be a, a really good interview. I actually think I'm going to upload that interview because we have some time constraints, and I'm going to inter interview her. Uh, it won't be a live show, but actually be available as an upload and then uh the week wednesday we're doing a show i believe with uh i can't remember her name i know her first name is jennifer i can't remember her last name but she's a naturopathic uh, medical doctor which we'll uh get into that what she actually does and she's coming on to talk about iodine which is something very important that a lot of people need a lot of us are uh, lacking iodine. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that. And then the week after, which I believe is the last week of March, we will be talking to uh, Dr. Richard Jacoby. He has a book called Sugar Crust. So we'll be learning a lot about uh, sugar and it's come from a different aspect. He's a podiatrist and we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the role of sugar. A lot of people know that the sugar is not all that good, but <laughs> we'll be talking to him a little bit more about that. Guys, thank you for listening. Peace and love. See you next Monday. Same fat time, same fat channel. Good night.